I just want to I just want to share a little bit. I'm I'm sorry for those that are over Fiji that didn't get to go and wanted to go and now they're hearing about Fiji. But there's there's a couple of important things that um, that I experienced and one thing was a theme throughout the whole time for me personally. And and it's something that's that's fairly obvious, but it's something that's quite revolutionary as well. And that is that God is moving. It sounds really simple and, and, and basic, but in normal day-to-day life, you can very easily get stuck in things that are how they are. The, the person at the shop is just annoying and you know, they serve you with a grumpy attitude and that's just how they are. Your boss or your client is just, that's how they are. Your school or whatever the environment is, it can just become very familiar and very routine. And yet when we stepped out of that environment into someone else's environment, and each day we were, we were stepping into a, a two or three different environments, and every single one of them, I went, wow, God's here. God was doing something before we came. He might be doing something now. And I can see a little glimpse of what he's, he's planning to do here, or maybe you know, where they're heading, or what they're planning, or what, what they're excited about, what God's doing. And... And it kind of, it almost shocked me in a way, that idea that God is moving. This guy here, Pastor Bill, um, or as Mark calls him, um, the, the Elvis of Fiji. John and the worship team gave us a little bit of, of taste this morning of, of church at Pastor Bill's church in Bar. Now, you, you know I'm not into dancing. I've mentioned that before. And there's actually a worship song that we, we sing occasionally where the, the bridge of it um, says, and oh, I feel like dancing, it's foolishness, I know, but when the world has seen the light, they will dance and sing like we're dancing now. I can't sing that line. I don't feel like dancing. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable, it's, it, it's not me. I don't feel like dancing. But at Pastor Bill's church... Probably for the first time in my life, I felt like dancing. <laughs> and that blew me away. <laughs> because God has given him and his worship team a heart for praise like I haven't seen before. It was very humble. It was very natural. It wasn't a show. And I was like, wow, I feel like dancing. And... He created an environment through the Holy Spirit of a, of a sense of praise and worship that was like, wow, God's, God's really moving and doing something here. This is amazing. This is a family that we met in one of the settlements um, just outside of Latoka. And um, John uh, very kindly introduced me as Tala Tala, which is pastor over there, but... Over there, they have a different perspective of pastors. They're very highly esteemed people. I never mentioned I was Talatala. That was, I, I didn't like the idea. I'm just a servant. I'm just part of the team. I'm not. Whereas Cheryl and Mark, they were like, oh, this is Talatala. And John, Talatala over here. And um, the funny thing was there, was, there was none of them in this group where we're meeting this family. But somehow, me being Talatala came up. And they immediately said, ah, there's someone you have to meet. And there was a lady in their house 
I don't know whether it was a sister or what the relationship was with them, but she was sick. She had diabetes, um, but her faith was strong. And she said she'd been praying that week for us to come. And you go, wow, we were just knocking on doors with little food packages to bless people and to pray with them if they wanted. But she was aware that we were coming and she was in tears going, I've been waiting for you to come. Thank you so much for coming. Now, I don't know why Tala Tala got, came up in the conversation, but that was the trigger that, that triggered these people to go, ah, there's someone you need to come and meet. And so it wasn't us magically all of a sudden being there. God had already been working before we came, independently of us. This is a, a, a preschool, um, kindergarten, and the lady at the back's name's Maggie. And she has a heart for mission, and she uh, is involved in mission. The activity was we were praying for the, the teachers at this preschool. And so I prayed for Maggie, and she said, excuse me, I've just got to disappear for a minute. And she came back with a Fijian $5 note, and she said, I believe God's told me to give this to you. I'm sorry, it's all I've got. But I believe this is to sow into your ministry. And I'm like, whoa, this is hard. This is heavy. It's not only I'm here to serve and, and yet she's emptied her purse to give to me in response to what God's doing in her life. She's wrestling with a kindergarten and ministry and stuff and and it was such a humbling experience for me. It's like, wow, this isn't what I came here for, God. And yet he was working. She was doing what he'd called her to do. And it was such a witness to me. And it's, it's funny because that $5, that physical $5 kind of got disappeared in the mix of everything. But when I got home, there, there was a $5 note, Fijian $5 note left. That's all we had left from Fiji. I was like, thank you, Lord. I've, I've still got my $5. And, and it was just phenomenal just to how God was working. And the last one is we, we weren't allowed to take photos in the prisons. So this is just a picture from the website of the, the group that we went into prisons with. They run a course called um, Step Up, Step Out, where prisoners are taught their identity in Christ. And it was amazing just to talk. They, they were all graduating on the day that we arrived. And, uh, and we got to give some testimonies and lead some worship and shake hands with each of these guys. And to hear their stories of what life was like on the outside. Why they were, not, not, not why they were there, but their, their sense of wanting to, to um, do stuff that they shouldn't be doing. And now seeing the perspective of what it was like to be their identity in Christ. It was just amazing just to see how, what God was doing in that place. And so I came back going, wow, it's, it's phenomenal that, that in all environments, God's working, God's doing things. And it got me thinking, I thought, well, I wonder what he's doing in my boss's life. I never asked that question before. I thought about how can I connect with him and how can I share Jesus' love with him and how can I... But what's God already doing? I hadn't actually asked that question. And the flip side of this is when I came back to Australia, 
there's a perspective that I had of what I was going back into. And that's a perspective of me. Perspective of self. It's not, a, not something that I'm pointing fingers and condemning anyone. It's, it's our culture. Our culture starts with me. Our culture, the pivot point of my identity is me, and we go out from there. It's my family. It's my work. It's my church. And the center point of everything is me. And that was really hard to have that contrast, and it's been a real wrestle this week, seeing that contrast in myself and in others, just seeing that big... And John kind of shared about the wrestle of coming back. I suspect everyone that, be, that is in a different environment that is, that is less self-centric comes back and looks and sees that contrast of where, where you're in a community where, where people are just so, so warm when they've got nothing. They're so welcoming and they're so encouraging of one another and there's a whole heap of things that you go, when we come back here, it starts with me and we work out from there. And, um, and that's been a real shock to the system. And it's actually meant to be a shock to the system because that's not the way God designed it to be. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It was a real challenge. And, and as we've been doing this series in Empowered, I think... This perspective underpins the idea of the Holy Spirit giving us gifts. Because often we think about it as, here's a gift, Joel. And Joel goes, awesome, I've got a hammer. What am I going to build with it? But the idea is that God is working. God is moving. God has a plan and a purpose. He's shown us that on the cross. He's shown us his path to eternity. It's... Uh, it's not something that's a new concept. You, uh, I love this picture. Um, the, old, the old Negro spirituals sung a lot about, about a, a train, a gospel train or, or a train heading to eternity and get on board the train. And it's a, it's a picture that we've lost. It's a picture that we're actually joining what God's doing. We're actually participating in what his plan is. It's a plan that he's had for a very long time. And, and we're actually joining his family, part of his vine. He's the shepherd that leads his sheep. And, uh, and this concept of it doesn't actually start with me in the centre. It starts with him in the centre and I'm joining his activity. And when it comes to spiritual gifts, we can look at it and go, well, what's my spiritual gift? What am I given and what am I going to do with it? And I want to encourage us to think about it a different way. It's what is God doing and he'll empower me to do it. And I think it's a very different way of thinking. And it's, it's less about us in the middle going, well, I choose this church and I'm going to do this with my family and I'm going to make this decision and I'm going to you know, find out what my gift is if I don't know what my gift is and I'm going to you know, go on this ministry or I'm part of this ministry. It's not about me. It's about him and his agenda. And so our heart is, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? What's your project? I look around and I go, what are you up to in Stuart's life? How can I be part of that? My boss's life, what are you up to there? 
Can I join in? Do you have something for me here? What about that person that really irritates me? Hopefully you're doing something in their life. Can I be part of what you're doing? Can I be love and grace to them? Is there, is there something for me to do? And that way, we change the way we're thinking. We change the way we look at things. And we can live out this passage that my old self, where I was the centre, has actually been crucified. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to be our counsellor. What's he counselling us on? On the truth. God's plan, God's agenda. Why is he giving us gifts? So that we can contribute to God's plan, God's agenda, what he's doing. So he has to be the centre. Jesus got this concept pretty well as well. These are two verses that are from John. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Even Jesus, who said, no one goes to the Father but by me, still recognised his role in the rhythm of what God's doing. That he was serving, that he had a role to play in the bigger picture, that he wasn't the centre. If we look at this passage that we've been studying for a few weeks now, it actually talks about this as well. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We often look at this as going, there's a diverse range of gifts, but we just got to acknowledge where the source is. Um, but I think it actually works the other way around, that there's all these gifts that are actually because of the work of what God is doing. They all point back to God. All these gifts point back to God, and it's repeated again at the end. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. We're actually part of a bigger picture. When we, when we start and look at things from our own perspective, I think we've, we limit our potential for vision, we limit our potential for faith, and we limit our potential for exercising our gifts. When we start with us in the centre, we're actually hamstringing ourselves. When we start with God in the centre, then the pressure's off. We're equipped, we're provided, we're given. As long as we say, Lord, here I am, send me, then the pressure's off. The opportunities are endless. We're not limited by our own resources, our own abilities, our own capacity We've actually given that up. We've laid that down and we've said, Jesus, it's your opportunity. It's your plan. It's your purpose. I surrender myself for what you want to do. Now, that's not easy. I'm not saying that's easy. It's much easier to go to Fiji and, and spend three hours with a, a bunch of people in an elderly home and, and see them light up and, and then walk away again. Someone's got to then clean up when they go to the toilet and they, they, it's, it's not easy. And I'm not trying to say that, 
that Fiji is a magical land of you know, milk and honey and, and we're in a wrestling place here. They've got their challenges too. And, uh, and we can't always exist in, in that, that space, that special opportunity that we had there. But it doesn't mean that we want to just go back to the way we've always done it. Get stuck, and, and this has been my wrestle this week as I've watched myself get back into patterns and back into routine and back into the things that are, is familiar to me and back into the things that irritate me. Because when I'm in the centre, when someone does something against me, I'm irritated. My response isn't, so God, what's your plan here? My response is, problem, fix it. Let's, let's work on how we can stop this irritation. Um, I don't bother to question, what, what's, what's your plan here, God? What's your agenda? This week, we're, um, we're actually looking at the spiritual gift of prophecy. And I'm not going to go into um, too, too deep about how it fits in and the theology of it and, and uh, teaching. Um, because I really sense that the, the heart of these gifts is our attitude and how we receive the gift. And, um, and I think if we just look at what prophecy is, it's, it's the disclosing of the will and purposes of God through inspired or spirit-filled human beings. So we're in relation with God. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And sometimes the Spirit talks to us to say, hey, Matt, you've got to work on this. There's something you need to work on. But there is times, as we've shared this morning, people have had a word that they've gone, I think this is for me to share for others. Um, often prophecy is looked at as, as uh, foretelling, telling the future. Um, but it also means to proclaim, to speak the truth or to proclaim so quite often, um, as I've been looking during the week, they use two words. There's foretelling and forthtelling. So foretelling is telling us about what God's plans are, and forthtelling is declaring. Um, I think prophecy in the sense of a gift of prophecy is much more forthtelling than it is foretelling. And the reason I say that is because in 1 Corinthians 14... Three, it says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So that is the framework in which you're given this gift. To strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. And again, we've seen that exercise this morning already, as people have shared. Um, and, and, um, and, and we've heard from God about ways that we can be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. And, that, and the first verse there, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. It's something that when we change our perspective and take ourselves out of the middle and put God in the middle, it's not about the prophecy. My experience of prophecy is um, I'm fairly young I would say, in the area of prophecy. But I want to tell you my story because it's very significant. Um, I grew up in a uniting church um, where prophecy was something you read out of the Old Testament and that was about it. Um, it was good teaching on the Old Testament, don't get me wrong, 
Um, but that was my only experience. Then I started going to Tanya's church. That was a good idea. Um, if you don't know, Tanya's my wife. Um, and that's where I met Tanya. And, um, and they had a, a broader sense of prophecy. And there was occasions that prophets came and, and uh, they tended to prophesy over the church rather than over individuals. But it opened my eyes to the idea of prophecy being something that God's still doing. Then I went to um, a conference in Bendigo called the Bushfire Conference. And I attended a workshop um, and it was teaching um, on the gift of prophecy. And so I went through the teaching. It was some fantastic teaching. And at the end of it, being a workshop, we prayed that God would provide. And we started to prophesy, paired up in, in pairs. Now, given my background, this was very stretching. And I have no idea now what I actually said to the person that I that I was paired up with, this random person in the room. However, I remember very clearly what they said to me because they had no idea how significant the words that they said to me were. They, just, they, they were just like me and went, I, I don't know, but this is kind of what I've come to mind. And I, you serious? Wow. And I explained to them the situation I was in and, and how significant that was to me. And I came away going, this is amazing. I've never, this, this, this was the first, this isn't some guru. This was someone that was just doing the workshop with me. But you see, I had no context to put it into. I didn't have any framework. And so for years, I kind of timidly didn't do anything about it, knowing, remembering in the back of my mind that I prayed that God would, could, would uh, use me in the prophetic and knowing that he could do that. But I had no idea, I was, I was scared. And then I had an experience what I think a lot of people have had. Um, I was asked to be part of a worship team that were leading a conference. And the guest speaker was there, who was a prophet. Um, and they did a lot of things and said a lot of things that is contrary to scripture. Um, and they talked in the name of Jesus, but it was damaging. And that really shocked my boat because I was angry at God. I was angry at this person that they would use God's name. And I was angry at God that, that he put me in that situation, that I'd be part of that. And I went, I can trust God, but I can't trust people. And so I kind of, the idea of prophecy was off the cards. I wasn't interested because it relied on people. And the reason for this message this morning is because my perspective was with me in the center. And that's why it's so important that God's in the center. From my perspective, I was angry at God that he put me in that situation. Why would you put someone through that, God? I was angry that that person would represent God that way. I was angry that I couldn't trust people anymore. When someone said, I sense God giving a word to you, it's like, well, who are you? And yet when I change the picture around and I say, God, you're in the centre and I am your servant, the picture completely changes. 
And God challenged me. He said, well, do you have an issue with um, evangelism? Oh, no, no, no issue with evangelism. Oh, what about, what about preaching or teaching? Do you have an issue with that? Oh, no, don't have an issue with that. Well, aren't they representing me? Aren't they sharing my word? What about serving, loving people? Do you have it? Oh, no, I don't have an issue with that. They're all ways that we represent God. And yet, when it came to prophecy, I'd locked off, I'd, I'd, I'd prevented God from using that opportunity in my life. And so this morning, um, as I said, I don't want to go into the details of prophecy. But I do want us to remember where our starting point is. And because our starting point determines our direction. And our direction determines our agenda. And now I have a completely different perspective of prophecy. Because I know that the Bible says to test in, in um, 1 Thessalonians. It says, you t there's, test the spirits, because there's, there is false prophets. Work out what, what good, what's good and evil. And I go, okay, God, you're going to help me with that. I don't have to solve that problem. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, if that's your agenda, I want to be part of that. This morning, I want to have communion. I want to um, break up into pairs, um, whoever you're comfortable with and share communion together. Communion is an amazing uh, activity that we've been asked to, to do in remembrance of Jesus. And this morning, I want you to share communion as, as, a, as a pair to remember our focus and to pray for one another. Now, I don't want you to go and share about your week or, or what's happening. But just as God leads, I'd love to be able to strengthen, encourage, and comfort that other person. It may not be prophetic. It may be prophetic. But I think it's important that as we take communion, we're able to reflect and go, where's my perspective? Where do I stand? Where do I... Where am I positioned in my picture? And God, I want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. I want to remember the centrality of that and that I'm actually participating in your plans and purposes. 